I'm author and athlete Brad Kearns. Welcome to the Be Rad Podcast, where we explore ways to pursue peak performance with passion throughout life. Visit bradkearns.com for great resources on healthy eating, exercise, and lifestyle. And here we go with the show. Not only do plant foods not really contribute maximum nutrient density when compared to animal foods, but may be problematic and counterproductive due to reactivity to natural plant toxins. Fasting, keto, low-carb, time-restricted feedings, these practices turn on stress hormones. Protein is the survival macronutrient. That's the one that we should prioritize and think about first when we're planning our daily meals every day for the rest of our life. So in order to get our protein needs met, we experience intense cravings uh, to consume the right amount of food. Greetings, my fitness-minded listeners. I want to acquaint you with the Primal Fitness Expert Certification Program, the most comprehensive home study multimedia fitness education course in the world. If you want to enhance your personal knowledge of all aspects of leading a healthy, active, fit lifestyle, this total immersion course will be life-changing. I'm the lead instructor and author of the course, and we have 14 chapters of extensive written content with over 100 accompanying videos covering topics such as general everyday movement, including micro-workouts and dynamic workstation tips, the full experience of gym-based strength training and all the different modalities, a complete presentation on all aspects of sprinting, both running and low-impact options, an assortment of high-intensity interval training and high-intensity repeat training strategies, a detailed education on the principles and practical application of aerobic endurance training, and extensive commentary, the most you will find in any publication, on all aspects and symptoms of overtraining and burnout. We even have fascinating peripheral topics like integrating nasal diaphragmatic breathing, dynamic stretching, injury prevention, and developing a peak performance mindset. It's really something, this course. We went all out for over two years with a great team to develop this amazing home-based fitness education for you. And you get one-on-one expert email support and private Facebook group connection throughout your studies to ensure that you absorb everything optimally and you pass your series of exams and get certified. So go to primalhealthcoach.com slash Brad to enjoy a very special limited time. And I'm not kidding. This is a big time discount just for you. 25% off your tuition. A fantastic premium offer at primalhealthcoach.com slash brad for the most comprehensive fitness course you can ever find okay listeners welcome to part three of optimizing your animal based diet is the title of the series in the first episode i talked about the rationale and the benefits the concept of moving up from level five to level seven or level seven to level nine we talked a bit about losing excess body fat in that first show especially the concept that you must get healthy first before you contemplate a goal like reducing excess body fat. And that largely happens by cleaning up your diet, ditching the big three toxic modern processed foods. So that was uh, encapsulating part one. In part two, I talked about my two recent fundamental shifts in philosophy as well as dietary strategy. The first one coming in early 2019 uh, with Dr. Paul Saladino and his promotion of the animal-based, uh, they call it the carnivore diet. Dr. Sean Baker, a huge influence too, being that he's uh, over 50 years old setting world records. So these two leaders, very thoughtful, very well uh, researched and, and communicating this idea that not only do plant foods not really contribute maximum nutrient density when compared to animal foods, but may be problematic and counterproductive due to reactivity to natural plant toxins. And that was a real eye-opener and has sent me on a path of no return whereby I am no longer emphasizing things like salads or stir-fries or green smoothies and instead are going for the most nutrient-dense foods on the planet, which are found in the animal kingdom. So that was the first uh, major shift that I... Uh, identify. And then the second one has been here in 2022, uh, inspired strongly by the Jay Feldman Energy Balance 
podcast, and I guess he calls it the bioenergetic model of health, whereby you want to give your cells optimal fuel, optimum, optimal nutrition at all times to minimize the stress of your peak performance and athletic recovery efforts. Uh, his slap in the face one-liner that he spoke to me was fasting, keto, low-carb, time-restricted feedings. These practices turn on stress hormones. Now, if you're highly fat adapted, that might not be such a big deal. But when I'm going for optimal, like I talked about in the first show, the difference between what's possible and what's optimal, I want to keep an open mind and be reflective. And that has led me to uh, conclude and test out this idea that I no longer need to fast or restrict carbohydrates because I'm trying so hard to uh, perform athletically and recover. Uh, so the, the keto diet, the time-restricted feeding, the fasting, all these are wonderful tools to clean up your act and get away from this disastrous pattern of unregulated, unfettered consumption of processed foods, overconsumption, disease patterns, things that we see uh, with the modern population across the planet. Uh, but if you take that context away for a second and say, hey, I want to be healthy, energetic, you might as well uh, adhere to this concept of uh, eating more nutritious foods, becoming more active, and building and maintaining lean muscle mass throughout life. The great quote from Rob Wolf, if you want to live longer, lift more weights and eat more protein. And the great quote from Dr. Tommy Wood, he told me several years ago that when he's talking to his healthy, active clients, he counsels them to consume as much nutritious food as possible until they gain a pound of fat and then dial it back a little bit. And that's when you realize that you are optimally fueled for cellular energy at all times. Listen to my interviews with Jay Feldman to learn more about that. So that's what I covered in part two. And now as we get to uh, part three and certainly part four, because I have so much content to discuss this carnivore scores food rankings chart in great detail. So what I want to do is take you through every category that's listed on there and give you some of the rationale and benefits for including the highest ranked foods in your diet and emphasizing them. So we're going to talk about bone broth. We're going to talk about oysters. We're going to talk about liver. We're going to talk about grass-fed red meat being superior to chicken, pork, and even fish. So that's what we'll get into uh, in these next two shows. But I think uh, before we go into the highest ranking foods, we should start uh, by mentioning what's noticeably absent from a, a chart ranking the best foods and trying to optimize your diet. And that, of course, are the big three toxic modern foods. And we have special attention to uh, the wonderful food creations that are designed to make us addicted and make us overconsume. There's great books about this, like The Hungry Brain uh, from Dr. Guyane and Wired to Eat by Rob Wolf. Uh, but they call them hyperpalatable modern foods, typically pairing uh, sugar and fat together to kind of hijack the dopamine uh, receptors in your brain even trigger the opioid uh, receptors whereby uh, they take on addictive properties, uh, especially sugar. There's been a lot written about that. And in Wheat Belly, the best-selling book by Dr. William Davis talking about the addictive properties of uh, the gliadin protein contained in modern wheat and other examples of pairing sugar with fat, things like ice cream, potato chips, desserts, Starbucks drinks, uh, bread and butter, French toast with butter and syrup, and on and on. So uh, when we can get over into an animal-based, nutrient-dense diet, what happens is we experience this tremendous satiety such that we no longer pace around uh, with a hankering for a daily dose of ice cream or whatever your go-to uh, hyperpalatable processed modern foods are. And animal-based foods nourish us at the cellular level in a profound manner such that it optimizes the appetite and satiety hormones that are so sensitive. You've heard of my uh, interview with Dr. Ted Naiman, uh, co-author of the PE diet that stands for protein to energy ratio, and he talks about the protein lever theory or the protein leverage theory, which 
uh, proposes that our cravings and our overeating of these hyperpalatable processed modern foods are all driven by a deep biological drive to consume sufficient protein to survive and thrive. Protein is the survival macronutrient. That's the one that we should prioritize and think about first when we're planning our daily meals every day for the rest of our life. So in order to get our protein needs met, we experience intense cravings uh, to consume the right amount of food. And if that food is heavily weighted toward uh, bowls of cereal with non-fat yogurt and uh, the sweets and treats and the potato chips and the ice creams, the protein leverage theory contends that you're going to overeat these foods in a futile attempt to meet your protein requirements. Uh, so if, if potato chips I believe Dr. Naiman was quoting things like a 5% protein and ice cream is 7% protein or something. So 93% of the calories are not going to hit these biological and these genetic switches. That means you're going to be eating and eating and eating because you're not truly satisfied. Uh, there's a whole bunch of vital nutrients found in concentration in animal-based foods. I think I pasted this list from Dr. Al Dannenberg's book. Uh, Eat Like Your Life Depends On It, I believe is the title. Uh, so things like calcium, carnitine, carnosine, cholesterol, choline, creatine, glycine, iodine, iron, omega-3 fatty acids, selenium, taurine, vitamin A in its fully form of retinol, vitamin B12, vitamin B2, B3, B6, vitamin D3, and zinc. That list is uh, some of the very critical agents that are found largely in animal protein. And when you talk about plant foods and we talk about having uh, the high-risk plant-based diet, that's because many of the agents on the list are completely absent or in very low levels and very difficult to digest and assimilate. And I talked in the earlier show about the difference between the highly touted foods that are rich in beta carotene, like carrots and all the orange and yellow colors of the rainbow, the fruits, the vegetables that have those hues are high in beta carotene. Uh, but as Dr. Saladino uh, describes in detail, uh, assimilating beta carotene and converting it to the usable form of vitamin A called retinol is 21 times more complex chemical reaction than consuming vitamin A in its full form as you would get in a huge dose from liver. And that's one reason why liver is off the charts as the world's most nutrient-dense food. So that with that uh, transition, I take you right into the Carnivore Scores food rankings chart. And at the top level, level number one, it's called the Global All-Stars, we start with grass-fed liver. And I put grass-fed there because when you're talking about something that's so nutrient-dense, you want to make a great effort to get a clean, naturally raised animal because liver concentrates all the nutrition and it can concentrate the toxins if you're talking about a mass-produced animal that's been fed uh, inferior sources and be given uh, hormones, pesticides, antibiotics, things like that. And as far as budget-friendly, when you look at this Carnivore Scores food rankings chart, yeah, I'm putting in uh, some of the very premium products like Salmon Row is on the top list as one of the best foods. Uh, quite expensive at the sushi bar or in the small glass jar at the natural foods market. But things like liver are incredibly affordable. So you can navigate this chart uh, exceptionally well on a strict or extremely strict budget. Uh, liver is still just a few bucks a pound because the consumer demand isn't there for the world's most nutrient-dense food. And that is a huge indictment of modern culture, which has negated and rejected and disrespected the uh, global uh, traditions for all ethnic cuisine, uh, quite often or almost, in, almost always, uh, emphasize organ meats. You look at traditional French cuisine and the great book by Tanya Teshka uh, called Bordeaux Kitchen, where there's uh, pages and pages of delicious, uh, incredibly uh, elaborate recipes based on organ meats and a lot of discussion about the rationale why these are so important. So go find yourself some grass-fed liver. There are wonderful internet resources that we can put in the show notes. I like going to U.S. Wellness Meats. I like going to certain Whole Foods markets that uh, have frozen liver. Uh, and you can easily source this wonderful product. And if it's not your most favorite thing to cook up and eat, 
you can consume it frozen. Uh, I like to chop mine into little chunks where I will freeze them and pop it into my mouth. It tastes just fine. It doesn't have the offensive texture that a lot of people complain about uh, when you're talking about pan frying it. And I salt it heavily. Dr. Paul Saladino taught me that one. And so you can chew on these chunks of liver. Or uh, what I do every single day is I throw a good handful of these frozen chunks into my smoothie and blend it up. So I'm drinking uh, liver every single day. And uh, as you, as I said briefly, the liver is the control tower that dispenses the exact amounts and types of nutrients you need into your bloodstream at all times. And it's also the principal detoxifying organ in the body. So it is the most nutrient dense area inside your body and inside the body of the animals. And there's great content on my bradkerns.com slash mofo page. Uh, talking about the ancestral traditions. Um, what we see in the wild are the lions and the other apex predators taking down their fresh kill and immediately, instinctively going for the liver and eating that warm on the spot. And this is also a tradition that's been found in hunter-gatherers and modern-day hunter-gatherers where the liver is the prize and that will be fed right away to the hunters and then they'll bring the rest of the animal back uh, to cook up and enjoy for the clan. So that instinctive and traditional uh, representation is pretty important. And then if you're uh, not into that um, uh, touchy-feely stuff, you can also look at science today and look at liver's nutritional profile, which is off the charts by comparison to uh, any other food, especially if you're touting and putting up uh, a superstar from the plant kingdom, like, well, my kale smoothie is the most healthy uh, drink I can get on the planet, or my uh, salad with all these different uh, fruits and vegetables and, and uh, meat and wonderful dressing on it. Okay, that's fine. But when you talk about the levels of the B vitamins, the iron, zinc, magnesium, phosphorus, selenium, folic acid, choline, and the fat-soluble vitamins, which are difficult to source uh, in the modern diet, especially if you're leaning toward lots of plant intake, and those are vitamins A, D, E, and K. Beef liver has 17 times more B12 than ground beef, which is actually a very highly ranked superfood. I'm just making the point here that liver is off the charts, um, especially in that all-important retinol, the fully formed state of vitamin A, which has vitamin A, which has all kinds of anti-inflammatory uh, benefits to ocular health. That's why we talk about carrots being good for your eyesight. Well, what about liver? Remember I said the beta carotene takes 21 times more complex chemical reaction. So liver is going to be the go-to food to improve eyesight, improve bone density, has a lot of cancer protective agents. Um, so I talk about eating it frozen. You can also uh, coat some grass-fed liver in almond flour and pan fry it in butter or avocado oil. Some people soak it in milk. That's the old traditional recipe. Uh, don't overcook it like you might have been accustomed to uh, with certain cuisine, maybe from your childhood, liver and onions, where you're cooking up this thing until it turns rubber, because that is going to compromise some of the awesome nutritional benefits. So the ideal way is to kind of sear it on both sides and have that chewy interior. I also like making a puree in the Cuisinart uh, blender where you can throw in grass-fed hamburger and uh, a bunch of liver and then uh, blend it together so you can have these uh, superfood liver burgers. Okay, enough about liver. And if you want more, go look at Liver King Instagram site. He is going to town uh, like no one else touting liver because liver is king. Okay, love that guy and his fun stuff all taken in good spirit, I hope, and uh, encouraging you to turn your life around and get your energy back, starting with the consumption of liver. It's a good point. You know, clean up your diet, uh, replenish depleted cellular energy. Uh, same with the MoFo supplement. It's been so popular because if you are in a tough state and you haven't been eating perfectly for years and perhaps decades, you are depleted all over your body. And that is sometimes a tough situation to turn the corner and turn things around and start working out hard like Rocky. So we want to really um, restore that cellular energy with good dietary choices, especially the superfoods. And then you can uh, sail along and build upon uh, your increasingly active fit lifestyle. 
um, oysters also up there in the top category. Uh, they have the tremendous levels of zinc and vitamin, vitamin B12, and that's why they have the reputation as being an aphrodisiac. Uh, they are best consumed raw for maximum nutritional value, or I like to steam them for a while, just enough to where I can uh, stick a knife in and open up the uh, the shell easily and pop that oyster down. And I like to put fresh lemon juice on there and a little bit of spice like Cholula sauce. So lightly uh, flavored, but what you want to get away from is those uh, servings like at the sushi place where the oyster is just bathed in mayonnaise, which is uh, very likely made with refined industrial seed oils. Uh, also on the top list the global all-stars salmon roe and caviar and i mean the egg is the life force essence of the planet right so we're talking about eggs we usually think of chicken eggs uh, but salmon eggs and eggs from the other fish are incredibly rich nutritional value with things like iodine choline omega-3 fatty acids in the preferred form of epa and dha and the last entrant in the top category the global all-stars a new addition and it is fruit. Yeah, that is a big revision, people. And that's why I republished the chart and the inspiration for recording this new show because I recorded a show uh, quite a ways back when uh, the Carnivore Scores chart first appeared. And so now we're taking fruit and slapping it right there where it belongs as a global all-star. If you think about it, this has been a centerpiece of the ancestral diet and human evolution for so long, the ripening of the fruit in those ripening seasons on the planet. And in fact, in our uh, ancestral experience and our evolutionary experience, uh, the, the ripening of the fruit and the gorging on that fruit uh, allowed us to add excess body fat to go into the long, dark, cold, harsh winter uh, a little bit more protected for the times when food was scarce. And so this uh, having fruit as the centerpiece of the ancestral diet played an important evolutionary role. You might not appreciate hearing that today, the idea that uh, fruit can uh, help us uh, add excess body fat. And indeed, uh, fruit has received a bad rap uh, even in the primal paleo ancestral health realm uh, for being uh, too high in sugar, easy to convert into fat because the uh, fructose and fruit needs to be processed in the liver before it can be burned in the bloodstream. Uh, we've heard that fruit has been overly cultivated these days to be more sweet and with less antioxidant values. And we've been writing about this for quite some time, but with a lot of things where you want to step back and uh, reckon and recalibrate, uh, fruit is one where I've had a, a major rethinking in recent times. And so I'm urging you to uh, maintain an open mind as well. It is the most uh, easy to digest, the least offensive food in the plant kingdom, along with honey, uh, that has the least amount of natural plant toxins. In fact, fruit is designed to be eaten. The plant wants you to consume the fruit. And then in the uh, perspective of evolutionary biology and botany, the idea is that the creature that consumes the fruit will then poop the seeds out somewhere else and the fruit will uh, achieve its basic evolutionary goal of surviving and reproducing, passing on offspring. So it adheres to the same evolutionary guidelines as the human and all other animals. It's funny to think of fruit in that context, but this is, uh, this is true, legit stuff that the berry bush is serving up those berries in August or whenever it ripens uh, so that creatures can consume them, poop them out, and more berry bushes will flourish on the planet. Unlike the plant toxins and the discussion we had there where uh, they do not want to be eaten in the categories of uh, roots, seeds, stems, and leaves because you're pulling the plant out of the ground and destroying it and killing it. And therefore, the defense mechanism that the plant has are these chemicals designed to ward off predators like humans. So fruits in a different category. There are no objections to uh, consuming it from that plant toxicity standpoint. Of course, there's uh, all kinds of nutritional benefits to fruit. 
And that is why, uh, like it or not, it's bumping up to the global all-stars list. And if you listen to my four-part series of reflections on the energy balance concept in my two interviews with Jay Feldman, you'll know that I'm on a uh, experiment that's uh, four months and counting here to make a concerted effort to uh, early in the morning, right after I do my morning exercise routine, uh, to eat a huge bowl of fruit and make that effort overall to consume uh, a ton of fruit from uh, largely years of uh, putting it aside in the name of uh, getting my, uh, my my paleo, my primal, and my keto membership card stamped uh, every day with a smiley face. And this has been a wonderful experiment. It's been illuminating. It's been eye-opening. And then the more I research and ponder this concept of um, the benefits of eating fruit to nourish your cells, to give you that uh, source of carbohydrates that you can uh, be active and energetic and help with your hormones. There's so much talk and there's so much fallout from uh, keto and intermittent fasting and restrictive dieting, especially among females where uh, restricting those carbs at that level of devotion down into the ketogenic range of 50 grams a day or less uh, can be highly problematic for thyroid hormones, for reproductive hormones, and essentially it's a stressful practice to restrict carbohydrates to that level. Uh, now, there's so many people that have benefited from that, and keto has changed their life, and they've lost a ton of weight, and they feel alert, energetic, and they no longer have gas-bloating digestive pain because they've cut back on overall carbohydrate intake. And we're going to have to largely argue that um, the things that, are, that have been eliminated have produced a health awakening because the processed carbohydrates and perhaps the high plant toxin carbohydrates were the things that were really causing a problem. And I can't imagine there's too many humans out there, and you probably would agree with this assertion that uh, merely isolating and cutting fruit out of your diet uh, can produce a health awakening. In fact, it's probably a good thing to consider uh, bringing back into the game. And I stand here uh, a bit, a bit embarrassed and ashamed uh, for the act of splitting hairs in the primal paleo messaging that I've been a part of for the last 14 years to put fruit in this category of, yeah, kind of sugary, easy to overdo it, can ca cause you to add excess body fat, and then saying with vegetables, go to town, stuff your face with the leafy greens and the cruciferous vegetables that we now know can be potentially problematic in sensitive people, and probably a lot of people out there are sensitive. So you would probably call this a flip-flop if I was a politician. So I will proudly stand here and say, A, I'm not a politician, and B, happy to flip-flop when the cause is warranted. I want to tell you about wildhealth.com. They're an online provider of comprehensive precision medicine and health consultation services. They offer DNA analysis, custom lab panels, extensive medical intake form with family history and lifestyle preferences, and regular online visits with a board-certified precision medicine physician and a health coach whom you can message anytime through their convenient app. Wild Health evaluates your data to determine what you need for nutrition, exercise, sleep, and supplements, and you can experiment, consult, and retest to get everything dialed in. You'll get a cutting-edge epigenetic test of DNA methylation to calculate your all-important biological age and have fun lowering your age over time instead of following the mainstream path to accelerated aging. It's time to strive for awesome instead of just normal. Did you realize that only 6.8% of Americans are deemed metabolically healthy and only 2% are declared optimal? That's disgraceful, but you can turn things around quickly. Please visit wildhealth.com and you will see that this is the absolute gold standard of personalized medicine and it's available to you right now. Telemedicine available anywhere in the USA. Wild Health is generously extending BRAD podcast listeners 20% off the cost of membership. Just visit wildhealth.com slash Brad or use the code BRAD20 at checkout to get 20% off and start taking control of your health today at wildhealth.com slash Brad. So there's a big, huge plug for fruit. However, if you are 
minimally active, insufficiently active, and if you are consuming uh, a significant amount of processed foods, and then you go to Weight Watchers and they say, fruit gets zero points, you can eat apples all day and it doesn't go against your scoreboard, yeah, that's not going to be a great idea, and it can uh, contribute to uh, fat accumulation if you're already an unhealthy individual. Um, again, because fructose is processed in the liver, and so the liver happens to be where you convert excess uh, carbohydrate calories into fat, and so it's the most lipogenic of all forms of carbohydrate, fructose is. Uh, but that's neither here nor there when you're out there taking walks and doing your workouts and burning a lot of energy, even if you're not a fitness freak, uh, burning a lot of energy running around all day and demanding a high cognitive function. So that's when fruit can step in and be tremendously nutritious, easy to digest. Jay Feldman even talks about drinking fruit juice and people uh, scream in horror. And of course, the whole fruits are going to be the best source. But uh, when we're talking about uh, this lipogenic, this negative energy about fruit, uh, we're talking about uh, leading authors writing an entire book about the dangers of excess uric acid in the body coming from overconsumption of fruit. I think we have to zoom out a bit and realize that a lot of the research and a lot of the uh, adverse health consequences are coming from people that eat too much shitty food and don't exercise enough. Okay, that's my uh, take on the whole thing. And we've also made an effort to rank fruits in the books and content that we produce over time. And berries are the best because they have the most antioxidants and they have the lowest glycemic value. And then tropical fruits have been uh, dissed a little bit because they have, tend to have lower antioxidant and a higher glycemic response. So we say stay away from those mangoes, papayas, and uh, try to get uh, more focused on the berries. And for me right now, I'm also going to call uh, BS on myself for worrying about that too much and trying to steer people away from the tropical fruits, which are colorful, have a lot of nutritional value. And when it comes to ranking, hey, berries might uh, make a case for uh, ranking higher with a bit more uh, on the scoreboard of antioxidants, or they have it, the ORAC scoreboard, O-R-A-C, stands for Oxygen Radical Absorbance Capacity, and it's ranking the highest antioxidant foods. And uh, the berries are going to score higher than the other tropical fruits. But whatever fruit you enjoy, of course, try to source locally and emphasize in-season fruits. But if it's wintertime and you can go to the store and find something good from Mexico or from a distant location, uh, go ahead because it certainly um, has minimal objections in comparison to that kale smoothie that you've been drinking in the name of health or the salad or the stir fry. And oh my gosh, that brings me to the comments about my sticky note. Yes, indeed. I had this little uh, message here, uh, hearing some good commentary from the respected author, Dr. David Perlmutter, who says, you shouldn't eat any fruit at all in the wintertime because our genetic expectation is that we do not receive any carbohydrates in the winter uh, because they're not available. They're not ripening in, in a natural uh, way anywhere. And uh, by doing so, we're kind of overriding uh, this circadian rhythm and our genetics whereby if we are to consume uh, fruit and other heavy carb intake in the winter, we're going to be more likely to uh, store those calories as fat because our body is in hibernation mode when we have to endure these long, dark, cold winters. And so that seasonal variation in our fat burning and our hormones and our genetics is all uh, validated by science. Uh, but I had the sticky note and I made a good effort over the last several winters to just completely um, avoid fruit uh, in the name of honoring my genetics and my ancestral past. And now I have this awakening. I slap myself in the face. I look in the mirror or I look into the microphone and I ask you, my friend, what effing winter are we talking about these days? There is no such thing as this freezing cold, harsh, dark, cold winter because we turn on lights and we artificially lengthen our days to our preference every month of the year. 
Um, we are going into uh, artificially lit uh, health clubs and doing uh, our same workout patterns that we might be doing in the summer. Some people ramp it up in the winter uh, because it's too hot in the summer, right? So um, we're not sitting around in caves uh, weathering uh, the, the conditions and uh, thereby trying to honor our ancestors without reaching for the fruit. Uh, last winter when Southwest Airlines had their two-day sale for $80 flights to Hawaii from the mainland, we binged on that and we went to Hawaii four times during the winter on jet airplanes, which my ancestors didn't have. And we did hot, sweaty hikes and ate a ton of tropical fruit. So you see what I'm getting at when we have this uh, obsessive adherence to the ancestral model in the name of health. Sometimes we have to shrug our shoulders and say, look, we're not in ancestral times. So the idea, while, while valid on the surface, that uh, wintertime is a time of fat storage, less activity, less carbohydrate intake, hey, guess what? Um, that does not fly when you're getting on a jet airplane and going to Hawaii. Do you get my point here? So uh, the ancestral example, of course, is the most validated scientific study of all time. And it's a great way to navigate modern life. And as Mark Sisson always said from the start, what we're trying to do is adapt the ancestral model into the realities of hectic, high-stress, digital, modern life. And speaking of that, um, I'm going back to Tommy Wood's quote where he cites actual research that today's elite athlete, high-performing athlete, does six times more caloric energy expenditure in a day than the busiest hunter-gatherer of all times. So that could mean that today's modern human that has fitness ambitions like myself and is burning calories at the gym and doing crazy stuff like, for example, running on a treadmill, our ancestors would never think of such a thing because they did the bare minimum physical work necessary to survive. They weren't training for any events or lifting anything that wasn't contributing to the shelter they were building. So if we're burning more caloric energy and reaching for more lofty athletic heights today, we might have that green light to go out of our way to consume additional sources of carbohydrate to help perform and recover for these athletic endeavors. Okay, so I'm no longer psyched about ranking fruits and hair splitting here and there, but there are some concerns if you want to wade deeper into this. Uh, interestingly, the tropical fruits have fewer anti-nutrients because there is a tiny bit of concern about oxalates for very sensitive people uh, that are higher in certain fruits, and those would be the berries. <laughs> the reason that uh, the berries have uh, more nutritional benefit also goes hand in hand, as I talked about in the vegetable community goes hand in hand with higher levels of natural plant toxins. So strawberries, blackberries, blueberries, conquered grapes, currants, and oranges have higher, relatively higher levels of oxalates, nowhere near the levels found in the, uh, the real problematic high oxalate foods like spinach and almonds, for example, and then the lower levels. So this would be the safest fruits would be those tropical fruits, as well as things like avocado, uh, melons, and cherries. So um, wild fruit is obviously going to be the best choice or the highest ranked. That means pulling over on the side of the road on the Oregon coast during the summertime uh, with your picking devices and you're going to town. Uh, so uh, that's pretty difficult to find when you want to go purchase a basket as opposed to go picking on your own. Uh, but that definitely deserves credit as the best, most nutritious. Um, local organic in season would be next down the ranking. And uh, we want to definitely prioritize organic, even though it costs more, when you are consuming the skin or the skin is difficult to wash. So when we're talking about berries, of course, organic is super important, especially things like strawberries, which have uh, reported to have the most offensive pesticide chemical used routinely. So prioritize organic when you are consuming the skin, and then uh, don't worry about it if you are consuming a fruit where the skin is not consumed and is nice and thick that you peel off. So an avocado, a melon, the tropical fruits, of course, organic is going to be uh, better in certain ways, maybe a little bit more nutrient density, uh, but certainly not a concern with pesticide exposure because of the protective coat of the avocado, the melon, the tropical fruit. And yes, indeed, the overly 
cultivated stuff is a little annoying. So when you see a perfectly uh, presented basket of blackberries that are giant, um, a lot of times these are kind of watery and deficient on flavor because of all the cultivation and the manipulation of, let's say, a natural wild offering of blackberries. So nutrient density, uh, a little bit of a thumbs down, uh, transported from distant origins uh, with a bigger carbon footprint, also a thumbs down. So uh, when you're getting the giant blackberries flown into the big box store from Chile and buying them in January, uh, that pales in comparison to picking your own pale on the Oregon coast in the summertime. But again, we do the best we can. And when that fruit availability is there and someone flew a pineapple over from Hawaii to your local big box store in the wintertime, go ahead and enjoy it, okay? Um, fruit is also a great dessert option if you're trying to uh, crowd out uh, those habitual consumption of processed foods and sweets and treats like your ice cream habit or what have you. And uh, speaking of hyperpalatable foods and the trouble that they can get us in, uh, come on, fruit is so naturally satisfying with so much fiber and water content that it's very difficult to get into trouble uh, taking your hall pass and going and consuming fruit. I mean, I can go to town pretty well, especially when I'm hungry, and I can eat a whole pineapple, but I'm not going to eat two pineapples if you know what I'm saying because of all the natural satiety provided by fruit. All right, so that is... Row number one, the global all-stars, grass-fed liver, oysters, salmon row and caviar, and fruit. And then right below them in the tiered ranking system on the carnivore scores chart is animal organs. And this, uh, of course, includes liver, which was already mentioned, but also in this category is going to be bone broth and other organs that are commonly found and consumed like heart, kidney, sweetbread, which is another word for the thymus gland, Rocky Mountain Oysters, which is another word for testicles, <laughs> I guess a cuter word for testicles, and then tripe, which is uh, parts of the stomach. And uh, we definitely want to try as hard as we can to source grass-fed animals to minimize our concerns about toxins. Um, if you can't seem to manage a routine consumption of animal organs, fortunately, we have the wonderful option of consuming uh, desiccated organ meats in capsules from companies like Ancestral Supplements and my MoFo product. I'm super proud to co-promote with them. And that is a formula designed for male hormone optimization. That's what MoFo stands for, male optimization formula with organs. And it contains a blend of testicle, prostate, heart, liver and bone marrow all in a capsule it's completely pure product with no additives fillers or binders and the cattle the source for the product all the ancestral supplement products is the great nation of new zealand down under where all the cattle are 100 percent grass-fed there is no uh, feedlot operations so this is the best source for things like animal organ supplements again the fresh Organ products are going to be better in so many ways, but this is an unadulterated, uh, convenient way to up your organ game by putting the capsules into the mix. And I throw, oh, probably about 24 total capsules into my smoothie every morning. Not that I'm uh, not worried about swallowing them, uh, but it's an easy way to just uh, chuck them in there and make sure that my organ game is strong. And of course, they're going in there as well with the frozen grass-fed liver chunks. So just a little commentary about why organs are so special. Um, this has been a, a fundamental element of ancestral health. The great research from Dr. Weston A. Price a uh, hundred years ago, uh, traveling around the world and studying primitive populations, ancestral living populations uh, in the developed, uh, as the world was developing, he found these pockets. There's plenty more back then than there are today. Uh, but he uh, noted as a researcher that they had a tremendous emphasis on organ meats and by and large had uh, superior health in many ways 
to the citizens in the developed world. And so he believed that this nose-to-tail consumption of animals was a key contributor, and that discovery, a quote-unquote discovery, was simply observing people that were still preserving their ancestral habits. And so when we have this preservation of culture, as I talked about with French cuisine, traditional Mexican cuisine, traditional Asian cuisine, um, Dr. Kate Shanahan's book, uh, deep Nutrition talked about her time uh, practicing medicine in rural Kauai and going to these potluck dinners where <laughs> one neighbor brought some eyeballs and you're going to have help yourself to an eyeball. Another neighbor brought uh, the hoofs and had the hoofs floating around in the stew. And so traditional Hawaiian culture and traditional culture from around the world emphasizes these organ meats. And they've really been pushed aside largely by the fast food age. And I... Uh, recommend you read this wonderful book that's now over 20 years old called Fast Food Nation by Eric Schlosser. And he talks about the rise of the burger chains in America uh, back in the 50s post-war and how it transformed culture and took us away from all these traditional practices like sitting down to a family home-cooked meal and the traditions that grandma brought to her offspring and that were still preserved until that day came when you could get in the car and hustle over to McDonald's and go to the drive through window and not make any effort after a long busy day uh, running around chasing after kids or whatever. Now you could uh, show your your love to the family by uh, bringing home some fast food. And it was a major shift in culture and a major destruction to uh, whatever nutrient, uh, nu nutritional benefits we had from preserving a little bit of our ethnic cuisine inside the various family homes. Whew, okay. And going back even further, uh, Chinese medicine. This has been a fundamental tenet for thousands of years. Uh, and this concept of consuming an organ to support the health of the corresponding organ in the body. Uh, so Ancestral Supplements website, also more commentary on this as well as my MOFO page, but it's this concept of like supports like that has been seen in Chinese medicine. It's been seen by ancient Aztecs and other ancient populations. I talked about how the uh, the animals in the wild go instinctively right for the liver and the other organs. Dr. Weston A. Price with ton of commentary here. And then we go into the scientific laboratory and we see the amazing nutrient density of these foods. And Dr. Kate Shanahan, who's one of the great skeptics and uh, challenge thinkers around, you can hear her commentary on our numerous podcast interviews. I said, what do you think about this like supports like, where if you're consuming testicles, it's going to help with testosterone production? And she said, well, um, if you, you know, refuse to believe it and you're skeptical about any of that um, ancestral tradition in Chinese medicine, what you can validate is that testicle is rich in the very specific agents that are important for testosterone production in the body. So we put these in a group and call them proteins, peptides, enzymes, cofactors, and molecular biodirectors. That's what like supports like is all about. And some of it cannot be validated on a spreadsheet, uh, but you can look at the rich nutritional value, uh, the things that I already mentioned about uh, liver in the opening, uh, vitamin A, D, E, K, the B12 family, the B complex family, coenzyme Q10, uh, so for example. So if you consume heart, we've long known that CoQ10 is really good for heart function, helps with mitochondrial energy production, uh, has antioxidant benefits, and heart happens to be high in coenzyme Q10. So if you believe nothing else, at least you are taking the specific nutrients that nourish the corresponding uh, function of those organs in the body. Uh, bone broth should also be mentioned here uh, in the list of organ animal organs. And bone broth is the uh, the distillation of the agents contained inside the bones uh, from prolonged cooking. So what you're doing is leaching out all the wonderful nutrients that are inside uh, the bone marrow and the connective tissue and uh, turning them into uh, a drinkable beverage. And what I'm talking about here is authentic bone broth that's made from uh, um, cooking bones for a long period of time, a couple days is typically how you do it when you're making your own bone broth at home. And the end product, 
when you refrigerate it, should be gelatinous. So it's uh, jiggly in the fridge. You can heat it up uh, in a pot or microwave and have a drink of bone broth in liquid form at room temperature or at high temperature. But that's the distinction between uh, real bone broth and then things that are labeled broth when you go and buy the cartons at Trader Joe's and it says chicken broth, beef broth, and that really should be uh, more properly termed stock. So that's just kind of the the water that uh, drips out when you're um, cooking a chicken, but it's not so dense in the important nutrients that make bone broth a superfood. And those would be things like collagen and glycosaminoglycans. Those agents are nourishing your own connective tissue in your body. So that's why collagen has exploded as a huge uh, category for nutritional supplementation. It helps your hair, skin, nails, and connective tissue uh, become nourished. And guess what? When we're eating this modern processed foods diet or the uh, emphasizing the uh, muscle meats like uh, beef and steak, we are not getting much collagen. So the way to get collagen is through bone broth or consuming uh, meat that has the bone attached. And so Dr. Kate Shanahan's book, Deep Nutrition, she talks about the four pillars of human nutrition being fresh foods, fermented foods, meat on the bone, and organ meats. And boy, was that an awakening to read that wonderful book and realize, even though I was really trying hard to eat healthy, and I was full-on primal and making all the good choices, I was really emphasizing um, the fresh foods. That would be fruits, vegetables, and even fresh meat. I wasn't eating any organ meats. I wasn't eating much meat on the bone, and I wasn't eating many fermented foods like uh, sauerkraut, kombucha, things that are rich in probiotics. So I was like getting a minus grade or a failing grade on three out of the four pillars of human nutrition. So we want to make a concerted effort to increase our consumption of collagen. Of course, you can do that with supplements. I love taking the Primal Kitchen collagen powder and uh, putting that into the smoothie as well. Uh, But the best source of collagen could be bone broth as well as consuming meat on the bone with the bone inside. Um, There's great research that your natural internal collagen production starts to decline uh, pretty significantly around 1.5% per year after age 30. And this is one of the main drivers of wrinkled skin and brittle joints that characterize the aging process. Uh, One interesting thing about collagen with the research is that it has what's called a tropic effect on the body, which means when you consume collagen protein, it travels through the bloodstream and is deposited in areas where it's most needed. So if you have a problematic area of brittle connective tissue or brittle joint, like the long-time Achilles tendon problem, that is where the collagen is going to directly nourish and help rebuild those areas of most need. And Mark Sisson talks about that in some of his uh, podcast commentary when he first came out with his collagen product and was testing out collagen uh, from other sources and realizing that uh, his lifelong complaint of a pretty raw and ragged Achilles tendon was magically getting better when he was hitting the collagen hard. Uh, Same with glycosaminoglycans, another agent that helps you make new and improved connective tissue and repair wounds more quickly. So collagen and glycosaminoglycans act as lubricants and shock absorbers for your joints. Other benefits of bone broth, you may have heard about the heal and seal properties. So it has a beneficial effect on improving your gut lining, which quite likely has become imperfect, inflamed, and permeable due to the widespread health condition of leaky gut syndrome driven by the consumption of natural plant toxins and becoming overwhelmed with lifelong consumption of these foods to whereby your gut function is imperfect. And if anyone listening experiences routine bouts of gas, bloating, transient digestive pain, irregularities with elimination, these are signs that your gut function may be imperfect. And so this heal and seal effect of bone broth has risen it to the forefront to where you can Google things like bone broth healing diet or uh, the GAPS diet, G-A-P-S, that stands for gut and psychology syndrome, 
whereby uh, bone broth being the centerpiece of people who can heal from all manner of illnesses and conditions, including those in the mental health category, because gut function is so strongly correlated with mental health. So the GAPS diet and bone broth as a centerpiece has been known to help combat conditions like depression, anxiety, ADHD, and autism spectrum conditions. There are other potent amino acids in bone broth, like proline and glycine, that can act as inhibitory neurotransmitters, promoting good sleep and delivering comprehensive anti-inflammatory benefits. You can go back into the podcast archives and listen to my show, with Sharon Brown. She is the proprietor, the founder of Bonafide Provisions, which makes one of the best uh, bone broth products you can find on the market. They come in bags in the frozen section at quality superfoods markets, or you can order on the internet as well. But Sharon talked about her foray into the world and to the business of bone broth was driven by uh, severe health problems with her young son, and he got better from going on to a heavy-duty bone broth diet. So this pretty much closes out the section, the first two sections of the Carnivore Scores Food Rankings chart, the global all-stars, and the animal organs. We have much more to cover in the upcoming episodes, and I will leave you uh, urging you to emphasize these top two tiers. Uh, go to bradkearns.com, download the PDF, print it out, and tape it on your refrigerator, and go for those global all-stars of grass-fed liver, oysters, salmon roe, and caviar and fruit, and then start to up your organ game, whether it's through supplements and ancestral supplements, or uh, getting the organs shipped to you from convenient internet resources if you don't have a great natural foods supermarket in your town. But check with your local Whole Foods or local co-op if they have organ meats. Sometimes you can talk to a butcher and they will order them special for you or they'll let you know when they're in. Uh, I found uswellnessmeats.com to be a great resource for organs. And Brian Sanders' website, my former podcast guest, nose2tail.org, another great internet resource. Uh, contact us, podcast at bradventures.com, if you're really having trouble or looking for more suggestions. And then uh, we're going to pick it up next time, going through the ensuing categories on the chart, which are in ranked order red meat, eggs, wild-caught oily cold water fish, shellfish, chicken, turkey, and pork, and organic high-fat dairy products. Can't wait to talk you through all thems. But we are here with the All-Stars. Thank you for listening. Have a great day. I want to discuss the incredible benefits of red light therapy and how you can get started with Mito Red Light. Mito, like mitochondria, red light makes the premier light therapy devices in the world and at incredibly affordable prices. I stand in front of my Mito Pro 1500 unit every morning, carefully exposing my eyeballs, other important balls, and my entire body to special wavelengths of red and near for red light. When I tell people about my daily devotion to red light therapy, they typically ask, does this stuff really work? And the answer is yes. And there are thousands of studies supporting its effectiveness. Here's how. It's called photobiomodulation where specific wavelengths of red and near-infrared light, red's visible, near-infrared is not visible, that's why it looks like only half of your panel's working, these wavelengths help mitochondria in cells throughout your body produce more energy and clear waste products more efficiently. Red light exposure helps mobilize nitric oxide trapped in the mitochondria and allows oxygen to return to the cell and increase ATP production. The benefits are proven again and again for skin health, muscle recovery, joint pain, and numerous inflammatory conditions. Red light therapy is also beneficial for circadian rhythm alignment because we generally get far too little direct sunlight and too much indoor blue light from screens and light bulbs at the wrong times. You don't hear much about this benefit of red light therapy, but when I turn on those lights, 
first thing in the morning. As soon as I wake up, I walk across the hall, I stand in front of the panels, and I feel instantly awake and energized. And believe me, there's a lot of days where Mr. Health Guy here wakes up feeling a little groggy and a little whiny, like I don't want to right get up now and get into my morning exercise routine. But when I stand in front of the lights, in one minute, I swear I feel wide awake. I get all that grogginess out naturally. It's super powerful, super effective, besides all the healing and the cellular benefits. I also love it for being a natural wake-up machine. You have to try red light therapy. I am certain that you will become a devoted user. And guess what? Mito Red Light offers a 60-day no-risk trial period and a special 5% discount for BRAD podcast listeners. Just visit Mito Red Light, M-I-T-O, redlight.com, and use the code BRAD on any of their products. Go for it today and get started on your red light journey. Thank you for listening to the show. I love sharing the experience with you and greatly appreciate your support. Please email podcast at bradventures.com with feedback, suggestions, and questions for the Q&A shows. Subscribe to our email list at bradkearns.com for a weekly blast about the published episodes and a wonderful bi-monthly newsletter edition with informative articles and practical tips for all aspects of healthy living. You can also download several awesome free ebooks when you subscribe to the email list. And if you could go to the trouble to leave a five or five star review with Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen to the shows, that would be super incredibly awesome. It helps raise the profile of the BRAD podcast and attract new listeners. And did you know that you can share a show with a friend or loved one by just hitting a few buttons in your player and firing off a text message? My awesome podcast player called Overcast allows you to actually record a soundbite excerpt from the episode you're listening to and fire it off with a quick text message. Thank you so much for spreading the word. And remember, be rad.